Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Toogie's Take podcast. We are back again to discuss everything that's happened in the hockey world over the past couple of days, especially since the NHL playoffs got underway. I am here with Mr. Sin for the Winski. <laughs> Sin, how are you today on this fine, fine Thursday? We're recording a day early because we had to out of necessity, yeah. but... Yeah, I'm doing okay. Recovering after uh, all the snake bites from last night. Uh, very painful. NHL 2K10. It giveth, it taketh, yeah, everybody. Yeah, that was the first time it, it, it felt even close to an EA game. And I, I got I got my PTSD. It just was like, meh, right in my face. I heard helicopters going overhead. You missed you miss two wide open nets, maybe three. No, yeah, I, I, hit, I missed at least three wide open fucking nets. <laughs> And like it was, man, I think that was just with Heatley and a couple with Korea too. That was mm, fucking. Yes, brutal. if anybody <laughs> hasn't been watching on Twitch, we found a way uh, through the lovely world of emulation again to play NHL 2K10 franchise mode with four of us at once, trying to figure out a way to make it five at once so we can all play our lock to an individual person. But uh, it's tough. We have taken the 2010 Ottawa Senators who start with the top line of Danny Heatley, Jason Spezza. And Daniel Alfredson. And we have each been allowed to have one trade to bolster up the team. And boy, have we made trades. Sin gave away the fact that his trade was to acquire Paul Correa. Uh, And there are other trades as well. So, hey, you can follow that on Twitch. It will be up on YouTube at some point in the near future on my great fucking game. And it's a blast playing with the boys. And and playing a hockey game where I don't hate it 90% of the time. That was the first time where I really got not happy with the game because we oh <laughs> I just God. couldn't fucking hit a net, dude. We lost three in a row for the first time, I believe. I, I don't wanna I don't wanna spoil the record, but we have no reason to be upset. <laughs> yeah, not really, yeah. No, we really don't and I'm pretty sure we got points out of most of those too. Uh yeah, we went to overtime a couple of times. So three in a row. Oh, it's been a blast. It will be up on my uh, second channel, T W O G I E twenty four. That's gonna be the home again for all my franchise mode stuff. Uh, in case you didn't see the channel update video that's out. So make sure to check that out. Endo Mills is here as well. Endo, how you going? How you going? How you doing? How's it going? How you going? I'm, how am I doing? How am I going? I'm going. How well. you going? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Uh, just sleep deprived. I've been in meetings all day. And just, you know, the the usual as it's been for the past little while for me. Uh, 2K10 was a little, again. We're, we're gonna keep plugging 2K10 because that was so much fun. I've never heard Sin get so mad before in my life. And that was, is because he typically mutes his mic on NHL 22. Yeah. If he starts to get that mad, who does? You. you. <laughs> oh, I'm. I yeah. You, you <laughs> normally you normally mute the mic if you start to get a bit tilted. Oh yeah. But like yeah, I, I think the, the highlight of that you'll you'll see randomly in there. But good friend of uh, the podcast, uh, Danny Webster, who was a reporter for the uh, Vegas uh, Golden Knights, uh, started mm-hmm. to do some little beat reports on our um, little uh, downward spiral that's gone on so far. Uh, it's gonna be very interesting. Uh, each we of us had live <laughs> live reviews from an NHL.com contributor. Of course, he was on the podcast as well, back around the trade deadline, and he's enjoying a fine, fine early vacation oh, yeah. with the Vegas Golden Knights not making the playoffs. <laughs> At Danny Webster 21, everybody. Tremendous follow, tremendous guy. 
Uh, yeah, today we're going to talk some ploffs as we do because the first three nights of the postseason are done and dusted and in the books. But before that, we have some business to attend to. We want to mention, of course, that this podcast is brought to you by our friends at Manscaped. You can use code TUGI at checkout to get 20% off your order and free worldwide shipping. Head to toe, Manscaped's got you covered when it comes to not only feeling your best, looking your best, just in general, Manscaped gets you into a great, great, you know, great peace of mind with Manscaped. Like, I don't know, you can sit there right now, and if you're rocking the 70s bush, just know you can feel better. Not to say, hey, you want to bring back the bush, bring back the bush. But I'm just saying, it might be awkward on those beach days. It might be. It might be. I don't know where I'm going with this, but I know where you're going with this, and you're going to Manscaped.com. You're using code Toogie for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Gentlemen. Some viewer questions today. We didn't get to uh, get around to them in the last episode because we had a lot to talk about with our playoff preview. And boy, after the first three nights, make sure to go back and listen to that episode if you haven't to see how right or wrong we might already be. Especially me. First question, though, and of course, as always, if you want to leave a question, you can join the Discord. Of course, the link is in the description on the YouTube side of things, and of course, uh, in the description, no matter what audio form or audio platform you're listening to the show on. And that first question does come from Money Man. Favorite ice cream flavor? <laughs> this is this is, this is where we're starting. You know, one. it's it's finally starting to feel warm outside. For those watching on the video side, I got no choice. The windows open, the sun's shining through because it's. It's a nice balmy 60 degrees Fahrenheit here. It's uh, it's nice. We finally get to enjoy the weather. It's uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Sin, I'll throw to you first as the as the Californian who probably gets to enjoy ice cream a little bit more often because I don't know about Endo. I don't really enjoy ice cream when it's below freezing. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. If it's too cold, it's like, why am I eating this? Like, there are some times where, like, I'm at home and, like, I'm, I'm sad. I'll eat the ice cream so it like, makes it feel better. But, like, it's, like, winter outside. I'm not going to go get a cone. Like, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, that makes sense. Here it's yeah. hot a lot. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, I got to – there's – there's I'll have to throw out a couple here. One is a classic that I always go back to. Uh, chocolate chip cookie dough because mm. it's just classic. so good. Mm. I mean, that's amazing. Another one here, uh, soft serve vanilla. Ooh. Soft serve ice cream mm. is is unfortunately a dying, a dying delicacy, mm-hmm. and fortunately, McDonald's has a lot of contribution to that because their fucking machine's always broken. Um, <laughs> Get the books. Like, well, seriously, rant. why isn't there just a soft serve ice cream place? Why isn't that bigger? I don't know. This is a fucking conspiracy. I swear. Um, my last one here, I actually had it when I was uh, in Pismo Beach, and it was something I never tried before, and I had to try it because it sounded so interesting. Caramel pretzel. It was a vanilla base ice cream with caramel, like real caramel in it, and fucking little chunks of pretzel. Mm-hmm. It was for incredible. those of you, for those of you in the New England territory, you will know that as the Boston Celtics exclusive flavor of ice cream, full court pretz, and it is one hundred percent my number one ice cream flavor right now. So you basically hit my top three. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, the ke- the <laughs> chemistry carries on for more than the sheet of ice, Toogie. <laughs> it really does. 
Uh, Endo, anything you want to throw out there? How about some How about some black raspberry or wow. something along those black lines? Black raspberry, wow. huh? Wow, black raspberry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> no. Um, how about some black it just so one. happens that I enjoy white <laughs> white as snow raspberry. Of course personally. you enjoy white. No, genuinely. <laughs> <laughs> chocolate. No, I was just trying to think of a way to be like, somebody next. mentioned black raspberry because it's yeah. delicious. Yeah. Yeah, chocolate's just black vanilla. Uh, prove me wrong. Uh, I think my favorite. <laughs> I think my favorite though. Um, there used to be a frozen yogurt place uh, nearby where I was. Um, you guys, I think it's a U.S. brand, Menchie's. Uh, they used to be around uh, here uh, when I was younger. I used to go there every day just to grab the sample cups and just to fucking take those and just run off because I'm a little broke ass little child. Uh, but now uh, I think my favorite um, from Baskin Robbins because they got thirty one fa- thirty one flavors. Um, it's like Rocky Road or something I like that. I knew like, he was like going to chunk- say that. And I was going yeah. <laughs> to I was going to say don't you fucking say Rocky Road. <laughs> Cuz that shit's awful. But here he is. It's awful. Of like, course. like as a kid, as a it's kid too I love sweet. Rocky I don't know, that's me. Yeah. That's just me. As it's- a yeah, as a kid I love Rocky Road, but I like um there is one that's like it's like gold medal ribbon or whatever like that. It's like <laughs> nice and chocolate. It's got the caramel or caramel whatever you want to pronounce it. Um, a little bit of vanilla in there too. Really nice, nice and soft. But now I'll just go for like Froyo, and I'll get like um, like vanilla, maybe a little little like lime in there too. You know, something like that. Sorry, there's a duck in my pond outside, and I just had to stare at him for a minute. There you go. Start your dominance. Thing. I ha- <laughs> two Tip two things to finally Zebras, shout out. I say hi. There you go. Number one. Uh, gelato deserves a mention. Oh, yeah. Gelato's delicious, even though it's not ice cream. And secondly, I don't know if this is a thing in other places. Of course, it's a thing in New England. It's called Moose Tracks, which is vanilla ice cream, vanilla ice cream with fudge and peanut butter cups. Oh, Oh, that sounds amazing. (laughs) Ooh, that sounds yummy. We do ice cream right in New England, let me tell you. (laughs) It's our only reprieve. So there's God. this other place I just remembered right now, just thinking about this. It's called Eva's Original Chimneys. It's here in Toronto uh, or Toronto, whatever you want to call it. You, they, and you, I don't you, recommend you go there because they haven't paid us anything. <laughs> <laughs> and well, fuck you this, too, like, Baskin Robbins. <laughs> well, they have Three good cone. flavors out of 31. <laughs> None of them are my favorite. Um, it's like a weird, like like a funnel cake kind of thing. And it's like breaded coated with like a bunch of sugar on it and a whole bunch of like soft serve ice cream and you get different flavors and all that it's crazy it's tasty yeah it's a chimney cake i have a feeling we could talk about ice cream for six hours Probably so could. we'll this move ne- on this but we... next topic I, I could talk about for fucking hours because I, <laughs> here's the problem i worked it's... i worked at a pizza place for five fucking years on and off and oh i am God. a i am an elitist about how my, my topic oh, so let's go god Matthews for Con Smythe asks top five pizza toppings. Now we don't have to do top five, but again, I don't know what's with the food centric questions today. But I swear we've answered this before, more than likely. But you know what? Fuck it. Let's entertain it. Sin the elitist. You know <laughs> what? Go. I'm going to take you for. I'm going to give you the the top five combinations of pizza topping because you can't just say mushrooms a good topping. It needs to go with something. It needs to complement itself. If you get cheese and mushroom, you're a sociopath. Um, so here it is. Pepperoni and mushrooms, elite combination. Pepperoni and jalapenos, also an elite combination. Um, pepperoni and sausage is always legit. And then 
Here's one. If you get pepperoni with extra cheese, but the extra cheese has to go on top. So it like yes. covers the pepperoni and a little bit of grease gets caught in there because we're fat as fuck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't call me out like that. Come on. And uh, yeah, I just realized how much of mine are mushroom based. Mushrooms are good, baby. Um, yeah, you're a fun I think guy. that was four. Yeah. And then here's one that's it needs. You need a white sauce base. And then obviously you got your cheese. And then what you need is grilled chicken. Um, as well as mushrooms and white onions. When it comes out of the oven, you put lettuce on top. And then after that, you drizzle sriracha sauce over it as well. I created that pizza, called it the Sriracha Sunrise, and it's delicious. I don't know if I could top that. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) I will say I'm not a big mushroom pepper type of person, in, in fairness. So I... I'm a I'm a bit of I'm a bit of a basic bitch, you know. You can go with the the basic meat lover style. Just throw just throw as much stuff on there as you want. Just I don't know. I'm a basic bitch when it comes to pizza because pizza's delicious. It is great. It's yeah. Just how it is. Yeah, I would go with. Um, I don't like I don't like mushrooms on my pizza. I don't like mushrooms in general. Um, I don't. I just I don't know. I'm just that kind of guy. Um, I when I usually get a pizza, I'll get if I have to get pepperoni, be pepperoni, hot peppers, jalapenos, uh, ground beef, and extra cheese on top. That's my go-to. It's all not a bad option. All right, well let's uh, wrap up the show now that we're all hungry, and uh, thank you guys for listening to the Turkey Steak Podcast. <laughs> I'm actually looking at food right now. God damn it, I'm so fucking hungry. From Killer Socks, what the hell are these questions today? Is Facebook an obsolete social platform? Excuse me, sir, I think you mean meta. Um, God, yes. Who who uses Facebook anymore? I have a Facebook to stay in touch with, like, some old friends old and people. family. That's about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, it's not. It's clearly not obsolete because it... What's easier, Sin? Talk, talking to Aunt Judy or just being like, here's a picture, Aunt Judy. And she's like, oh, that's so nice. I hope you're doing well. And then that's it. You don't have to talk to her for another six months. Yeah, it's... Fuck you, Aunt Judy. <laughs> I don't have an Judy. <laughs> uh, Facebook is, is clearly not obsolete because it has such – you should see the amount of money that companies and political people are dropping on Facebook. Like, Did you see how much money they burnt in a quarter oh yeah. on their metaverse thing, yep. which looks like a – like a, literally an obsolete version of some of the other – PlayStation thing. You know. Play, yeah. The, like room. It looks like Rec Room. Yeah, it, it looks like a worse version of Rec Room. They spent $3 billion and a quarter on this thing because they can. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So, obsolete uh, to maybe to our generations as we trend other directions, but it's 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 a huge, huge, um, just a cog in the, in the big machine, if you will. It, it, it literally changes. It, it dictates so much. It can essentially dictate policy just because of, you know, people paying them. Um, it completely, and it's as I'll, I don't know. Just, I'm trying not to go on a rant about how evil they are, but yeah, they could have easily I'll done something about uh, child sex trafficking that was happening on their website, and they knew about it and chose not to do it um, because oh, it was making yeah. them money. So, like, they're completely not obsolete. If that shit's allowed to go on, they're you know they're they're not obsolete. It's a generational gap at this point. No new kids are signing up for Facebook. 
Um, we were kind of, I mean, me and Tugi maybe like are the kind of in between ones who like would have a Facebook. But then again, it's yeah. it's crazy. It only came out in like what twenty. Well, I got mine in 2010, like, or 20. Yeah. yeah. Damn. I yeah, got mine it, it went. Go ahead. I got mine like 2009. Yeah, oh, that's the cycle. Yeah. That's how quick the online it went, cycle is. It went so fast from MySpace to Facebook. Yep. And then, yeah. I miss MySpace. Uh, also, yeah, we like pizza and ice cream. <laughs> God. I don't know what this podcast is this at this is, point, it but I'm wild. It is. From BK. Who won't have it his way. Least favorite part about moving homes. Moving. <laughs> the packing so as someone, shit. As, as someone who is about a year into having this house, which is insanity, by the way. I don't know how the hell that happened. The worst part is discovering issues that were not found before purchase was made. Because some of that shit can add up fast. Some of that shit can be expensive enough that you just have to put it off for a little bit, so long as it doesn't put you or the home in danger. You know, and the worst part is you discover that oftentimes during renovation, which is also a pain in the ass. Let me tell you, if you buy a home, that was built in the 70s that only had the like the same owners in that time who were old stripping wallpaper i would rather do numerous things <laughs> I, I, i'm trying to find the appropriate level to describe how awful it is to have to strip away 20, 30, 40 year old wallpaper. Oh yeah. That's that's funny. I don't recommend it. It is absolutely horrific. And I'm yeah. still trying to mentally recover from the anguish I went under about a year ago. I've done some home reno and uh, a lot of the houses here in Toronto are old as shit. Like completely just old as hell. And the amount of times that uh, I've had to rip off wallpaper. Oh my god, it's terrible. Wallpaper is great in theory, but oh my god, it's terrible. After you, that thing's been on there for like more than like a, more than like maybe like nine months. After nine months, that shit's like yeah, you're done. It's gonna be just that's why they, that's why they just put more on top. They don't they don't take it off. They just put more because it's stuck. You're like oh, mm-hmm. fuck it, whatever. It's oh, the best is when they the best is when they paint over the wallpaper. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> All right, new topic. This is the worst. (laughs) Holy shit! Oh my god! Just sin, sin hit the nail on the head. The moving, just the moving part. Like unless you're super excited to get away from where you were. Oh my god! Just the idea of having to leave like a comfort area and try to establish a new comfort area. It's not easy. It's not. Can I go on? Next question. Okay. No, feel. You know what? Go ahead. Okay. All right. Get your Sin went on a tangent. I can't stop you. It's, it's time for a story. So basically, I can talk about this because we did move like within like two years ago to this new place. The place we were at before, uh, which I kind of just like showed up and went, hey, I'm going to live here. She's like, I right, cool. And it was it was bad. It was terrible. Like uh, inspections like came through all the time for like cockroaches and shit. It was bad. Um, and like when we moved over to this new place, 
we have like three times the space, three times like the maneuverability. And I shit you not, we've finally started to use all the space. After like almost two years of being in here, because we finally have a fucking couch. So like the worst part about moving is when you don't unpack everything or when you just kind of like you kind of leave it off to the side a little bit. Just have it there. <laughs> I literally what? have a box of shit in my closet that I don't have a place. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know we what? You know what? have a dedicated room for that at the moment. It's I think everyone has that. Yeah. Yeah. Most people have that. Yeah, for sure. Like we have stuff from the old uh, for the people who actually own this place because we're just renting off of them. And there we, we bring it down to the storage in the basement so they can take it off and bring it back to wherever they have their actual storage. And like there's still stuff like there that we don't even use. That we just can't put down there because it's still filled up. Oh, hi, cat. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's the worst part of moving is when you just delay things off to the point that like years later, you just kind of still have to deal with it. You're kind of like, yeah, we'll move eventually. Anyways, what's the point of taking this out and doing it all over again? Yeah. 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 Pretty much. It's not the most fun process. Uh, next question. Uh, we move into hockey to, to segue here. Uh, from Racing Jays, and I believe this is for me. Uh, will you try to attend the World Juniors with them being held on the East Coast? It was confirmed the World Juniors will be held in Halifax and Moncton. Damn. Uh, Moncton for me is, I think, a little bit over a three-hour drive. So if there were games on the weekend... I'd probably be able to swing it. Like, finally, the Canadian border, you know, it's getting a little bit easier. Uh, I'm really hoping that this summer uh, I can finally start exploring the, uh, you know, the uh, eastern shores of Canada a little bit more. But yeah, I believe Moncton's about three hours away. Halifax is, uh, I think, like five and a half, six or something like that because it's the coastline. You can't just straight shot it. you got to go up and then down to get to Halifax. So... I'd say I have a better shot of making it to uh, to Moncton. I'm going to try. I mean, obviously, I've never been to anything World Juniors related. I think it could be a hell of a lot of fun. So, uh, fingers crossed. And who knows? I mean, Endo, it's just a, a quick flight away. <laughs> yeah. Um, Potentially. We'll, we'll, we'll see how things are going to go this uh, during that time. I'd, I'd yeah, I mean, it's, it's this winter, right? Like, who the hell knows? Problem being, I really do want to get to the Winter Classic at Fenway between the Bruins and the Penguins this upcoming January. So that might be a little that might be a little bit too much. Might be stretching myself too thin. We shall I, see. But I hope I hope to make it. It, it would I, be awesome to go to the World Juniors. Yeah, I also did say I wanted to go to that game regardless too. Just to go to a Winter Classic cuz I've had like what hmm. two in Toronto and I haven't gone to them. So I I have to go to one. Now that I have like I'm kind of like on my own kind of thing now. I can mm -hmm. just like just do whatever the fuck I want. I'm like, why don't I just go places? Like, mm. when I was younger, I always thought that like I would never be like financially available to like do things. But now I'm kind of like, right. <laughs> now I'm kind of like, oh shit! I can just like you know not eat for like a month, and then I have enough to buy a ticket to go somewhere. <laughs> it's, I can financially afford to not eat for a month to go somewhere. <laughs> hey, listen. Some guy said that you could spend one fifty a month. <laughs> Uh, in Toronto <laughs> on fucking like dinner on like lunch on like food for a whole month 150 a month are you kidding me dude's probably eating fucking Mr. Noodles ramen and like instant oh, fucking scrambled eggs God. or some shit that's ridiculous it's absolutely beautiful uh, our final question comes from Mr. Smoot in the shell who I uh, happen to 
have it autocorrect to smooth. So smooth, smooth in the shell. Smooth, uh, which... <laughs> and here I thought you'd go Rob Thomas. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> with Callie Klang, uh, Ducks goaltending prospect, signing his ELC, and with Lucas Dolstal developing, another Ducks goalie prospect, mm-hmm. and Anthony Stolar is doing an exceptional job this season. Do the Ducks move on from John Gibson? No. Sell high. Yes, yes sell high. His I is his contract up or does he have I think he's up. one year left? I think he has a year left. I think he does too. And to be honest, uh holy shit. Two years. John Gibson <laughs> is signed for six point four million per until twenty twenty seven. Holy oh, shit. Why fuck. did oh, this wow. was the third year of an eight year extension? Oh man, why'd I think it was wow. I don't know. Okay. I still think they should sell high. Yeah. Yeah. Because he still you has you, the. You sell him and then you're getting. So he was in year three. Oh man, so it's still five more years. Yeah, someone's picking up a five year tab. That might be tough. That's a bring no. Down the value maybe. He has a 10 team no trade list as well. But his, his value is still high. I would definitely say Like his so. reputation. His reputation is still pretty damn solid despite the fact that uh, his highest save percentage in the last three years is a 904. Oof. Now, you could say again, and that's that's where he retains the value. Is Are his numbers down because of him, the team, or both? Yeah, look at the year. And you're not going to know until you get him out of that circumstance or until the Ducks are good again, and if yeah. he's still struggling, then you know it was him. Yeah, the last year they made the playoffs when the Sharks swept them. Um, he absolutely carried that team into the playoffs. They really had no business being there. Um, I'm pretty sure like, but he's, he's been that good. And just honestly, if you watch the guy and just how hard he would try to carry that fucking team, like, yeah, he, he should still have really good value, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how the ducks would sell high on him. If people are just look at those numbers, they're going to use that as a, you know, a bargaining chip for sure. But he should, honestly, I still think he's one of the better goalies in the league. And the fact of the matter is he's on a shit team. And, but when they weren't completely shit, he was posting really good numbers. It's, yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny because you look back now at the past few seasons, and I'm trying to uh, get the numbers here um, for who would have been his, his backup at the at the time. And, you know, this season, like, Anthony, Anthony Stolarz was referenced as doing really well. And if I'm not mistaken... He was approaching, and I can get the exact numbers here, uh, Anthony Stolarz this year had a 917 save percentage to John Gibson's 904, with Gibson getting 56 starts, or yeah, 56 starts, and Stolarz had 23 starts with 28 appearances. So that's always the question, right? And that was always one of my big conversations in regards to Carey Price, you look at, oh, he's behind a bad Montreal team and his numbers are bad. Okay, but then you have a goalie like Antti Ranta, who, don't worry, we'll talk about in a bit, uh, on Arizona at the time, on pretty much an equally shit team, but he was close to like a 9-29-30. But then again, you get into the talks of, okay, both shit teams, but different systems. Arizona's always so had for a John- good system for goaltenders. Oh, yeah. Like, think about Briz. Mm. Last year as well, for the... Uh, for the Ducks, 
Gibson had a 903 in 35 games. Stolarz had the 926 in eight games. Uh, and Ryan Miller was technically the backup <laughs> at that point still. Wow. Which is really weird. And then now uh, three seasons ago, uh, it was, yeah, Gibson a 904. Miller had a 907. Stolarz had one appearance with a 944. So for whatever reason, Anthony Stolarz in that duck system works. You know, I... It's the question, right? Like, John Gibson is now 28. He'll turn 29 in July. Is he the guy for when they turn around? Or are you already looking at your Cali Clangs, your Lucas Dostals of the world? And if so, then, yeah, Stolarz can be that stopgap and then transition into a 1B role once the young guys are ready. I I would seriously explore moving on from John Gibson. Because while the goalie market, the goalie market's always so unpredictable in terms of who might be out there looking. <clears throat> Philadelphia. Um, <laughs> for a goalie who might be able to stop a puck. No disrespect to uh, Carter Hart at the stage. The Buffalo Sabres. I mean, you got Uko Pekalukinen, but uh, are you still going to rock with Craig Anderson and uh, Dustin Tokarski and Michael Hauser until he's ready? I don't know. I don't know. I think there are teams out there that could be interesting. So I I would expect it, if anything. So with that, we'll move on to some of our other topics. Again, thank you to all of you on the Discord. We appreciate you. A couple of non-playoff topics that popped up over the past few days that uh, I at least wanted to acknowledge. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets did re-sign uh, GM Kevin Sheveldayoff, uh, but a staff overhaul is planned outside of that. Chevy has been the Jets' GM since they came back. I, if I was a Jets fan, I don't know how I would feel about this at this stage. To me, like, it it doesn't even have the reasoning of, like, when Montreal was like, yeah, we're going to stick with Mark Bergevin because we made the cup final. Because you've now missed the playoffs. Like, you've missed the playoffs. You... You know, made it to the conference final four years ago. 2018 is when they made it to the conference final. I don't know. If I'm a Jets fan, I'd sit here and be rooting for a change of the guard and a different vision, personally. But I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. I don't know how Jets fans feel about it either. I'd be very intrigued to know um, just how they how they feel about it because it just it doesn't seem on paper like it's the right move, but maybe it will age a little bit better. Uh, the Red Wings dropped head coach Jeff Blaschel, which is a great move. Um, you know, obviously Steve Eiserman complimentary, but at the same time, I think all Wings fans were kind of hopeful and knew that yeah, he's not the guy to lead them forward. But a name that's popping out there who might be of interest for the Red Wings. Joel Quinville. Um, He would have to be reinstated by Gary Bettman. I'm sure he would be if a team like Detroit's like, yep, we want to hire him. Yeah. And I don't want to throw this person under the bus. Uh, And I'm trying to find the exact tweet. And by the way, I had to, I had to look as I, as I'm scrolling through my Twitter timeline, um, Shout out to the, like, 30 or so people that have unfollowed me on Twitter in the past three days. <laughs> I guess the Bruins tweets are a bit too much. Sorry. Um, God, where was that exact tweet? Apology. Okay, it was from Andy Strickland. And I don't want to necessarily throw Andy Strickland under the bus, Blues reporter uh, for Bally Sports. 
But this was the tweet verbatim. Expect hashtag NHL teams to inquire about hiring Joel Quinville as their head coach. Here he wants back behind the bench. Of course he does. And there is expected to be significant interest in the future Hall of Famer. Q will need to meet with Commissioner Gary Bettman to be reinstated. Yeah, Andy, did you have to throw in future Hall of Famer when talking about Joel Quinville? Is that the most relevant thing to mention about Joel Quinville? Or uh, would it be more relevant to mention why he's currently out of a job and why he's not behind the bench for the Florida Panthers and his actions that directly led to that? But whether or not Andy intended it or not, that tweet does 100% read like we all knew it would. You're talented enough. You're good at your job. You'll get another chance probably. That's how it works in sports. That's just how it works. Like, literally, unless you are Aaron Hernandez and killed somebody, odds are you will get another chance if you're not in jail. If you're not in jail and the crime isn't... Uh, I, I want to say, if like, wh what crime do you have to commit, in a sense, to not be given another chance? I mean, Jesus, like, we've... You know, whether or not it be in the NFL side of things, like, okay, you can... I mean, how many incidents have there been of domestic violence up this person's back? Oh, shit, Adrian Peterson's the best running back of all time. Oh, he did this, hit his kid, ah, whatever, he's good, bring him back. Like, it's just, it's another one of those stories. I'm sure he'll be back. Detroit might win a Stanley Cup with him as their head coach. It's going to be gross, though. It's going to be gross. I'll leave it at that. Uh, the Canucks, another questionable front office, potentially. Uh, not committing to bringing back Bruce Boudreaux That's after the turnaround they had so this season. Weird. I don't under I don't oh understand them saying this. It's so weird. It's yeah. Was he hired it's by stunning. Benning or was he or was he brought in by the new people? I can't remember exactly I, how that went. I can try to find that specific timeline really quickly, but the word in the news is essentially not wanting to commit off of half a season despite that incredible turnaround. Like, I it's, guess it makes sense, but here's the thing. Why say that? Isn't he signed for another year? I don't know. I, I think he would. No, he was just interim. Oh. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if he's under contract, and he might want something that's like three years, and they're apparently only given a, willing to give out like a one-year deal. <laughs> From the sounds of it, again, if we're missing stuff that might be slightly out of date at this point, hey, let me know. But still, just bizarre. Now, he was appointed coach uh, December 5th. And yeah, it must have been a Benning thing because Patrick Alvam was brought on as GM on January 26th. So maybe it is an instance of yeah. the GM not wanting the head coach, even though he was essentially gifted to you hmm. as interesting as the playoffs are there have been some interesting things outside of them with some of these front office moves that are very very interesting from the likes of of course vancouver winnipeg and detroit uh and last thing i wanted to mention uh gary bettman was quoted in saying that the league apparently is not interested in expanding the nhl playoffs beyond 16 teams uh, obviously, the NFL recently keeps expanding the wild card. The NBA has the whole mini play-in thing, and they're apparently not looking to do that, which I am very happy about. Yeah, it's a 32-team league, 16 playoff teams. Done. That's all you need. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we shouldn't expand it, but they should. Yeah, 
the format. Well, the reason you expand, it's money, 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 of course, and through but extra, more important TV games and shit like that, which it just waters down the product. I think so, too. So, with that, let's get into talking about the I just remembered what the first game is we have to oh talk Oh, my about. God. Oh, okay, <laughs> let's get in. fish! The fucking fish! <laughs> it's a bear, it's a fucking fish! <laughs> if there's a bear back there taking a shit, then he comes out and eats the fish. Then it's a bear. <laughs> then it's a bear. That whole thing was a fever dream, by the way. So, <laughs> what they are alluding towards, everybody, for those who didn't see it, on my main channel, I am doing recaps for each playoff games. This or These were quotes... From my Game 1 recap, which was a 26-minute rant, um, really a deep dive into the soul. The Carolina Hurricanes on Monday, night one of the playoffs, beat the Boston Bruins 5-1 to in game number one. Hurricanes have five different goal scorers. I will mention, uh, I saw the stat today that this was the most viewed hockey game on ESPN since opening night. And apparently the highest viewed opening game of the NHL playoffs in 20 years. So again, the ESPN deal continues to be fantastic uh, for the league. I don't know how much more there is I can say about this game that I did not say in that review. Just brutal. Like again, I believe the scoring at this stage was 20, was it 22 to 2? Or maybe three, because didn't you score like a couple 21 times? 21 to them? two, 21 yeah. to three at that point. Like 23 to three. I don't remember, but yeah. I believe I'm going to go with it was 21 to three, and this would have been the fourth game of the season against the Hurricanes. And yeah, fourth game of the season against the Hurricanes, being outscored 21 to three in that time. Pretty much says it all. The only thing I can say is what I again say in the video is a lot of people took a more optimistic approach and attitude of, well, they played really well. The score uh, doesn't really represent how close the game was. And to that, of course, I'll say what I said then. I don't care. I don't care. They have gotten destroyed by the Hurricanes, controlled by the Hurricanes the entire season. And they lost again by four in game one. I don't care how well you play. You can play as well as you want to. It is a best of seven series. I would rather be the team that gets dominated but wins than be the team that dominates but loses. Boys, I don't know if you have any thoughts on game one, Canes and Bruins. Obviously, we'll have game two to talk about here in a little bit. Yeah, I I didn't watch any of that one. I was busy watching the, the next one that we're going to talk about. But, yeah, it just seems like the Canes absolutely have the Bruins number. And I'm with you. I don't think it matters if they deserve to win a meter or how, how it looked on. Like, oh you're not God. getting the results. It, it, this is not an isolated incident. Like, you know, it's this is what's been happening all year. So, yeah, I still can't believe the Bruins didn't add offense at the deadline. Oh, my God. I, I think well, they I deserve was... to win a meter. is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. Sorry to go off of that. Just, just, it's like, oh, you know, we deserve the win. Does the score say that? Because the score says you fucking lost. It's, you know, it's not a video game in a sense. Like, you know, if you're playing hut in NHL 22 and you outshoot someone 26 to four and have 10 minutes of time on attack to a minute and a half 
and you lose three to one, yeah, obviously that's going to be super frustrating. But this is the real life sport. In terms of deserving to win, I'm sorry, it doesn't exist. You scored the goal or you didn't score the goal. You can say, oh, I don't define like, oh, you hit the post. I don't define that as unlucky. You missed. What's unlucky about missing? You did not shoot into the goal. You hit the frame. You missed. Sin pretty much brought up one of the the triggers for me (laughs) in the past couple of months, which is why I almost cut off Endo. In that, the, uh, God, let's just talk about game two now. Why not? Maybe we'll skip ahead. Maybe I'll just change up the format of the sheet here as we go along. Uh, Game two happened last night on Wednesday. The Carolina Hurricanes won this game 5-2 and now have a 2-0 series lead. Bergeron scored two two goals. Uh, Ajo did as well for the Hurricanes. Nino Niederreiter also scored two goals. He now has three goals in two games. Fuck me. This game was highlighted, I'd say, by the fact, well, there were a couple of notable moments. Um... God. So, first and foremost, in the first period, the anti-Ranta contact with David Pasternak, which led to Ranta being out of the game uh, for the rest of Game 2. I still don't know if there's word about his availability for Game number 3. For those who didn't see the play, Ranta not saying that this is... It's his fault he got hit, but, in my opinion, makes a little bit of a late move to play a puck off a bounce, off the back wall, which is fine. He's entitled to do that. Plays it out. I felt like Pasternak was playing really hard to try and beat him to the puck. He does not. Pasternak, in my opinion, tries to sidestep him, but in the process puts his hands out, I say, to protect himself from contact. But in the process, he essentially punches Antiranta in the fucking face, And throughout whether or not the helmet rattled around, I think Ranta ended up on the ice and might have gotten almost kicked in the head by a teammate accidentally. It was a really weird situation where you look at the play and it's like, what the hell even happened there? But the bottom line was, there was contact from David Pasternak that resulted in Auntie Ranta getting injured. It was a two-minute penalty on the ice, which, call me bias, I'm sure you will if you disagree, I felt was fair. People were shouting out blood. It's not like it was blood from a high stick. For fuck's sake, it's a goalie and he's wearing a cage. I just felt like it was a very unfortunate set of circumstances that the Bruins were properly penalized for. And at the end of the day, do we... I mean, granted, in this league, we do at times penalize for the severity of the injury to the player. I don't feel like this was one of those circumstances where it would have made sense to do that. In a sense, I don't think the infraction fit the outcome. But yeah, no doubt David Pasternak was at fault. Uh, And it worked out tremendously well for the Hurricanes, but obviously I would prefer my team don't win by injuring an opposing team's goaltender. And as Leafs fans know, injuring Carolina goaltenders doesn't exactly guarantee a win. Shout out to David Ayers. You're welcome, Endo. I don't really have too much to add about this specific thing. I just, I don't, I I simply don't agree. And if the shoe was on the other foot, yeah, maybe I'd have a different opinion. I simply don't agree that this was five-minute major worthy. I didn't even get what happened. (laughs) 
It looked like so. It looked like such an innocent play. I, I honestly think felt like Bergeron was just trying to like uh, keep his balance because um, he went for the shot block. His hands were down. Like he went into a shot block form. It wasn't like he had two hands on his stick. He kind of went to that shot block form where your hands kind of go around your midsection, and then he tries to swerve out of the way. And from that, I think reaction reaction like puts like puts his hands out to stabilize himself. Maybe even to like keep distance between him and Auntie Ranta. But yeah, he ends up making contact with the with his helmet and shit. I yeah, I still don't get how Aranta was bleeding, but he was. Um yeah, I I don't think it deserved anything thing, more than a ma- uh, a minor either. Besides, you know, maybe a double minor just because of blood, but again, he has a mask. It's not a position player. Yeah. And I mean, you watch it, it's just a it looks like and I'm getting it. it the the thing is the human body is a bit fragile. Like, I've seen a lot of people, uh, Bruins fans saying, and even non-Bruins fans mentioning that it wasn't the craziest amount of contact in the world. You don't need a crazy amount of contact to cause a head injury. Yeah. It doesn't always have to be the most violent, traumatic hit like we would see later on in this game. I think it's just a super unfortunate outcome. You watch the play. You could maybe even say that Pasternak is trying to avoid the follow-through of the stick from Ranta. Ends up colliding with its leg. It's just a super weird play with a super unfortunate injury. But it's a but I'm sorry, I can't disagree. I mean, people are acting like this is Lucic and Ryan Miller. Yeah, it's not even close. And for fuck's sake, calm down. Calm down. Like, you're, you're out to lunch if you're making that comparison. And I saw someone else being like, oh, it's like they, the Pasternak used him as a human break to stop. Again. If I vehemently disagree if you think it's anything more than two minutes or if you think this was some intentional act on David Posternock's part to injure Auntie Ranta. I'm sorry. I think you are wrong. End of. So Ranta is replaced by rookie goaltender Peter Kachekov or Kachekov, whatever the hell you prefer. Oh, man. Making his fourth NHL appearance, he stops 29 of 28. 28 of 29. It felt like 29 of 28. Holy fuck. Uh, you know, again, we talked about him before when Freddie Anderson, we in our season or playoff preview, we talked about this with Freddie Anderson being out. Great numbers in the KHL, good numbers in the AHL as well. And then, of course, steps in here and stops all but one. And he manages to get in the head of Marshawn, too. <laughs> like, he just did everything. I'm sorry, but, like, like this is the... It's it's literally no, Murphy's you're... Law scenario for the Bruins in this, in this series. Like... So what Sin's referencing is there's a moment, I believe, in the third period where Brad Marshawn slashes Kachekov, who... Or Kachekov, whatever. I'm going to go with Kachekov. Uh, who slashes back at Marshawn, rightfully so. Marshawn was fined 5K. Um, you know, some people surprised it wasn't a suspension after he got into it with Tristan Jari earlier this season, which I would, in a sense, disagree. Um, I will say that Brad Marshawn being a suspension for a game might be a positive for the Boston Bruins. As the ESPN uh, scoreboard loves to point out, he has not scored a goal in 15 games, and that last goal was an empty netter. I am still convinced he is hurt. Because he is playing some of the worst hockey of his career. Unfortunately, and Sin kind of mentioned this, Brad Marchand, I don't want to call him ineffective at this point, 
But the antics are not working like they used to, buddy. They're not. For the Bruins in general, I will never sit there and deny uh, the Bruins. Granted, some stuff, in my opinion, over the years, a little bit overblown. A little bit overblown uh, in terms of some of the uh, outlandish takes. But at the same time, have the Bruins earned their reputation of... (laughs) Uh, play, playing on the edge is uh, perhaps an understatement at times. Yeah, they've earned that. Has Brad Marchand earned his reputation? Yes. And in the past, have antics like this for Brad Marchand worked in terms of getting into the opposition's head and as a result, it benefiting the Bruins? Yes. Does that work anymore? No. It doesn't. Tampa's proved in the playoffs. That doesn't work anymore. And I'm sorry, but Carolina here essentially passed the punk test. The fan in the crowd that flinched when Tomasz Nosek fake punched him, he didn't pass the uh, the flinch test. But the Hurricanes have. They're in that class of the Tampa Bay Lightning where, I'm sorry, Brad, this shit's not going to work. You're not likely to end up getting into the opposition's head. You are not likely uh, to find success in playing the role that has brought you so much success, which means right now you're having to rely on the skill of your game and you are not finding the back of the net if your life depended on it at the moment. And then, Andrei Svechnikov. Now look, a lot of people were sharing the clip of the Nesson coverage of this where Jack Edwards' initial reaction to the hit, surprise, surprise, he viewed this as a incredibly dirty hit, and this is the clip that's circulating on Reddit, and everyone's like, oh my god, Jack Edwards. Again, you're watching local broadcast coverage. I don't care what team you root for. Oh, my Florida Panthers commentators aren't that biased. Have someone from the uh, Sharks. Ha- have Sharks Panthers and have a Sharks fan like Sin listen to that Panthers broadcast. He's going to find them biased. That's their job. It is, at the end of the day, to appeal and essentially be a homer for the broadcast region they are broadcasting for. It's not a fucking ESPN broadcast. It's not the NFL on CBS. And even then, some people are like, oh man, Troy Aikman, he's, he's really, and then again, Troy Aikman's Fox. Oh, he's, he's really biased for the Cowboys. I fucking wonder why. Like, my God. Oh, I shared this clip of Jack Edwards and he was biased for the Bruins. And water's wet, you fucking moron. Like, what are you expecting? Holy shit. Regardless, Svechnikov hits Hampus Lindholm essentially after a suicide pass. Clean hit. That's my take. As a Bruins fan, you can watch the hit. I'm sorry, I don't think, and there, I, I swear this is becoming common practice because the NHL has allowed it to get to this point. Any hit that might result with some, maybe even slightly, potentially, oh my god, was it, was it neck height? That's a headshot. Any, any hit where the shoulder might look like it's higher than waist height, people have to be like, is that a headshot? And that's the NHL's fault. This was a clean hit. End of the day. Um, It's a hard-nosed play. Clean hit. And the unfortunate... I will continue to emphasize clean hit here, by the way, in case people fucking lose their minds. 
The unfortunate outcome of it is that Hampus Lindholm gets hurt. You know, I'm watching the hit right now on the way down. His shoulder hits the ice. His head whiplashes back. It doesn't hit the ice. But a clean hit through the body at the principal point of contact is going to result in the head rocking back. And then when you land again, obviously when you're trying to land, you're going to tuck your chin, and then that's going to rock the head back again. I'm not a doctor. I don't know his diagnosis. He most likely has a concussion. Yeah, so... Let's call it spade a spade. Yeah, so concussions are basically meant on the brain itself hitting the back of the fucking skull. So, yeah, any form of contact that results in the brain moving can, can, can form a concussion. Typically, it, you might not even hit the fucking ice with your head, you can get a concussion. I had a concussion once when someone ran into me and the, my fucking my brain went to the back of my fucking skull and I was out for maybe like three, three weeks because of concussion-like symptoms. Same thing with Ranta's situation. Like, the way that he got hit, it it doesn't seem like a lot, but any sort of movement that it makes the brain move in a certain way can affect uh, the outcome of having a concussion. He was completely rocked. Like, 100%. Like, he was out. He tried to get back up, and, like, all Marvel, yeah. Like, yeah, just just stay down. Like, honestly, you're, you're, you're just, you have no balance whatsoever. I hope he's yeah, going to be fine, but I don't think he's going to be back for the rest of the, rest of the series. It wasn't very. Uh, it wasn't very pretty as he tried to get back to his feet. Yeah, I Definitely, hate seeing uh, that shit. Like, that's one of the most chilling things. Yeah. So, at this stage, Hampus Lindholm will miss Game Three. That is confirmed, and he is likely out for more. And Linus Allmark, well, I don't think it's his fault. The Bruins have allowed ten goals. Granted, there's some empty netters in there. They have allowed ten goals in two games. It is confirmed. Jeremy Swayman. We'll start game three. Why not? Give it a shot. See what happens. What's the worst that can happen, essentially, by letting Jeremy Swayman in there? Hopefully it is the spark. But Sin mentioned it earlier, and we'll, we'll call back to it. Uh, my rants on numerous occasions about the Bruins not adding to the forward core at the deadline. Yes, Eric Halla has played quite well since the deadline. Eric Halla... Was uh, And again, I'm not shaming the guy. I'm not saying you can't be a tough person at 5'10". Eric, Ta- Eric Halla got punked by rookie Seth Jarvis on the ice last night. Like, I'm sorry. But the optics of a rookie like Seth Jarvis, you want to talk about the, the minutia of a hockey game and what the Bruins try to do in terms of intimidating and getting under the opposition's skin. And instead for Carolina, you have Seth fucking Jarvis essentially punking Eric Halla. Again, Brad, that shit's not working. It's not. And that's that said all, all that I needed to see through the first two games. And, was, of course, the score only backs it up. Without Hampus Lindholm. And, again, game one, I said, oh, look at that. The Hampus Lindholm acquisition really paid off. And I was met with, oh, Hampus Lindholm played really well. He did. He was playing well in game two before the injury. It's not helping him score goals, is it? The idea, the logic behind Hampus Lindholm being acquired is the Bruins' defense is going to be that much more airtight, and this offense, while maybe not amazing, will be able to grit grind out the goals and be fine. That is not happening. Ten goals, you could say eight, if you want to exclude the empty netters, in two games. The defense is not doing good enough, they are being outworked, and the goaltending hasn't been good enough, and the offense isn't scoring. And now, to my point, the defense last night was Grizzlick McAvoy. 
It wasn't even Lindholm McAvoy on that top pair like it was supposed to be. It was Lindholm with Carlo and then Forbert and Clifton. Again, to my point of the Bruins and being completely mismanaged, that means $3 million cap hit, Mike Riley was scratched. That is mismanagement. Yeah. 1,000%. His analytics are incredible. Like, way better than... But the eye test, Sid. The eye test. The eye test, like at this point, it's it's crazy, especially if he's making three mil. Like you should be striving to play that guy just because you don't. It's the optics of him fucking sitting should be worse than the eye test of. I uh, yeah I don't know man it's that's my point yeah if he is so bad that the eye test overrules what analytics are telling you. Right? You play him anyway because you don't want to have his three mil guys sitting in your press box. Exactly. That's why Vlasic kept getting fucking ice time, man. <laughs> it's a little that different means scenario, but you know. You fucked up in terms of management. And that is leading me to my greater point here. Because if you have Connor Clifton who's only making a million, you scratch him, it's not a big deal. There is no reason why Derek Forbort and Connor Clifton should have been in the lineup for the first two games. Zero. Zero reason as to why Mike Riley should not have been playing. And now he's in, he'll probably play like shit, and people will be like, oh, I told you so. But no, the I told you so comes from me. And that is that when, and I'm saying when at this point, prove me fucking wrong, Boston. When the Bruins lose this series, I am begging, I am pleading for a new GM and a new head coach. I'm done with this era of management. Even Cam Neely above Don Sweeney. I'm done. I need a new set of voices and a new direction for the Boston Bruins because I have been quoted in saying and will continue to say they approach this offseason from a half-in, half-out situation where they could have gone all-in. You still have more draft picks to let go of. I don't care how good Fabian LaSalle's doing for the WHL Vancouver Giants. I don't care about, oh, well, John Beecher was a first-round pick. You cannot ride the fence here when you have killers in your own division. Think about how good the Atlantic was with Florida, with Toronto, with Tampa. And you're going to ride the fence and hope that, oh, well, Hoppus Lindholm and Josh Brown, we're good. You're getting what you deserve right now. You are 100% getting what you deserve right now. And I can only hope that if this goes as poorly as it looks like it's going to, that those changes are made. And that we get new owners, or not even, fuck, new ownership would be a godsend. Uh, we get new management and a new head coach. I am ready for this team to move on to a different era. I, again, we have no idea what the hell is going to happen with Patrice Bergeron. His deal's up at the end of the year. He's 36. Might he retire? We don't know. But you carried this offense into the playoffs. This was the horse you chose to back. And now here's your bed. Fucking SpongeBob meme with the casket. Okay, hop in. This is what you wanted. This is what you're getting. This is what you deserve. It is two games down in the best of seven series. They still have time to come back. I'm not holding my breath because they have given me no reason whatsoever to have confidence through these first two games and now five games in general this season against Carolina. <sighs> okay, I feel better. There you go. Let's talk about the Leafs and Lightning, shall we? Yay! On Monday, the Toronto Maple Leafs beat the Tampa Bay Lightning five to one or five to nothing, excuse me, in yeah. game one. Holy hell. 
Yeah, they looked good. Now, game one starts off with a bang. And that bang is Kyle Clifford hitting Ross Colton right in the numbers and getting ejected from the game like a fucking idiot and suspended for game two. One of the lowest hockey IQ plays I have ever seen at the NHL One level. Of the lowest That's IQ bad. plays in general. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> like he lays a perfectly fine hit at the other side of the ice. Great. And then he goes and just why? Again, you scratch Jason Spezza for that. Jason yeah, Spezza was still scratched in game two, wasn't he? I actually don't know the answer to that. I, I presume so, yeah. he might have been, yeah, because Bunting came back, right? And he just would have replaced Clifton. Yeah. And then that what what's his name was playing center for the fourth line still. Uh blah, 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 I don't know. I saw the lines uh, where they had Nylander. Blackwell. Yeah, Blackwell. I saw the lines where yeah, they had Nylander, Nylander on there twice. Just yeah, no no Spezza tonight. Yeah. Or last night, I should I say. I can't believe you're not playing Jason Spezza. Yeah, so that, yeah, they're saying though that line, I believe that like Blackwell is like Blackwell Simmons, and uh, who's the other one? I can't remember. But well, that line Clifford. apparently has like the most like it was like Mikhaev, but that line has played like the most minutes together. Like it's like the top six, are, like most like on the ice, and they, yeah, they've and done then, well. Well, in game two they had a a twenty percent yeah, expected two. goals for so. Yeah, yeah we'll talk cool. about game two yeah. in a moment. Anyway. Uh, we'll, we'll speak to the positives of game one really quickly, though. Aside from, of course, the Clifford ejection, Austin Matthews scored two goals. Mitch Marner got that monkey off his back to be able to score a goal super early into this series. Uh, there was a gigantic line brawl in the third period where Morgan Riley proved that he could be a, an axe murderer if he wanted to. One punch. Um, and Jack Campbell... Gets a shutout as again the Leafs totally catch Tampa off guard and run the show five nothing. Really good. Their 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 penalty kill was solid. I've been I haven't yeah. watched a ton of the Leafs, but I always kept hearing Marner was on the PK, and then I hear Keith saying he should be considered for the Selkie, and I was like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. And then I watch him mm -hmm. on the PK, and I'm like, okay, he's developed a solid defensive game. Selkie, calm the fuck down. But holy shit, he is a little water bug out there. He's fast as fuck. He's good with a stick, and I never saw that sort of tenacity from him really before, and I was impressed. And it was leading to shorthanded chances, and 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 you saw in other players what I, what I oftentimes when I judge other players, I kind of judge by the reactions of the players that they're up against. Stamkos fucking full panic mode when he knew that Marner was behind him trying to strip him of the puck, like diving out to try mm. to save the puck. And I was like, dude, you got Stamkos doing that, like yeah, yeah Marner looked good and. The Leafs just knew Lightning had no answer for him in that period. Their power play was awful. They couldn't they couldn't enter the zone cleanly, and the Leafs just fed off that. Yeah, their and penalty kill is the best in the league, hundred percent. Most goals for thirteen goals for like the, the, when we talk about power kill, I keep mentioning that a lot. Mm -hmm. They that is the definition of a power kill. They do yeah. not let go whatsoever. They don't sit in their zone. They attack you at your blue line. And they go at you right there and then to curve it up. When I went to go see them play against the, the Devils, Ilya Mikhaev was just fighting for that puck. No matter what happened, he would just go up there, attack, attack, attack. Because what, three-second shift, then you pop off, another guy comes on? Like they're, they're, Their shits for the penalty kill is insane. It's almost as if they have a third line for the penalty kill. 
Oh, they 100 percent do. A lot of teams do these days, but I would say they may even have like an additional like the the way that they play. But they're also they can also get away with it more than a team like well the, that I watch the Sharks because they're a lot younger. They probably have a shit got more stamina. Um, <laughs> yeah, they probably have a lot. Yeah, but and they're also way way better. Uh, but yeah, they, it was that was sick. That was one thing that really stood out for me as well as. Uh, it just, yeah, it was just, it just felt like a different team, at least in the playoffs. But yeah, then we'll talk about game two then when it kind of, but I mean, you expect, oh, well, you expect Tampa to push back and push back. They did. The lightning won last night by the score of five to three. Made it interesting. Tying up the series mm-hmm. at a game apiece. It was, I would say five. still out of reach early, but I guess nothing's out of reach for the Leafs totally, but they, they shot themselves in the foot a ton. It was five, one at one point, wasn't it? Yeah, I think. Yeah, five, one in the third. Yeah. Yeah, so five different goal scorers for the Lightning. Uh, For the Leafs, Mitch Marner scored his second. Michael Bunting returned to the lineup and did score. There was some, quote, controversial officiating. Now, the official calls were seven against Toronto, four against the Lightning. And I didn't get to watch all of this game, and you were shaking your head. Uh, Sin, you can have your input here, too. Yeah, I think it was called, here's the thing. Stop calling games, quote, unquote, fairly. Call the penalties. And I think they called yeah. the penalties. I, I do. I, I maybe a questionable one here or there, but it's probably split both ways for each team. I think they called the penalties. I thought that the Leafs were really making some stupid decisions, and yeah, and yeah, that their penalty kill wasn't as effective. So if you if you give a team like Tampa seven fucking chances on the power play, you can't do that. But I like that officials are calling penalties in the playoffs. Well, that's the thing, though, right? People are never going to be happy. No. If they even up the calls, people will call it bullshit. If they call it as it is, people will complain that the calls aren't more even and will, uh, you know, further dissect certain instances and be like, well, there wasn't a call there, so it's bias. Like, but we're never going to be happy with the officiating yeah. in the NHL. You just have to hope for the most egregious calls being called correctly. Lord knows the MLB is having that issue right now. I don't know if you guys saw the Marcel Osuna at bat the other day. Three straight clear-cut balls, all called strikes. Oh I thought he was going to punch the umpire. Holy shit. Um, this was uh, another win for Vasilevsky after a playoff loss. And here is his stat line. Since 2020, Vasilevsky's record after a loss in the playoffs. This is absurd. Yeah. 15 wins, zero losses, with a 948 save percentage, a 131 goals against average, and five shutouts. Can we can we take that in for a second? <laughs> he has 15 ba- like wins and off a, of a loss. A third of them they have not enough to win a fucking st- almost enough to win a Stanley Cup alone off of losing every other game. That is nuts. They haven't lost back-to-back games since 2020 <laughs> in the playoffs. So think about a third that. Of his wins they won are the shutouts too. That's they won yeah. the fucking cup last year, everybody, and never lost back-to-back games en route to that. It's insanity. It's That's absolute nice. insanity. How good he is. How good the Lightning are. This was the the championship mentality for the Tampa Bay Lightning. We know how battle tested they are. Okay. They've seen it all. It is kind of viewed as a, a missed opportunity for the Leafs, but at the end of the day, it's a one-one split. You know, people always say, "Okay, you don't really, you're not really in trouble in a series until you don't take advantage of home ice." Uh, you know, a lot of people are throwing that out right now uh, in favor of the Bruins to be like, "See, it's not over." Um, 
I'm very intrigued to see what happens in game three. Yeah. yeah. Because we have seen it now. It's essentially been a dominating victory for each side through the first two games. I have no idea what the hell is going to happen in game three. And let's be honest, the Bruins will probably be losing early enough. I'll be able to switch right over to that Leafs uh, lightning game and just enjoy it for what it is. Might be, yeah. I would love to see the Bruins bounce back at home. I think they'll have a better performance, but I that just that Canes team seems, yeah, tough. There is no such thing as a Bruins home ice advantage for me anymore. When they lost Game Seven at home to St. Louis, four to nothing. There is no such thing as a home ice advantage to me anymore mm. for the Bruins. And though, in general, how are you feeling about the Leafs after the first two games? Ah, uh, I mean. You win some, you lose some. I mean, the way they lost it was, oh, it was not great. But then again, it's you're going against the double, like the back-to-back champs who have historically haven't lost two games in a row, like you said, since 2020. I I think it's get, like it's going to be a long series. I already said Leafs in six, uh, Bolts in seven, because we all know Leafs can't win a game seven to save their lives. Um, I, I, I don't know what else to say besides... This is going to be very entertaining the whole entire way through. They showed the reason why they're they're back-to-back champs, the reason why they're so good with absolutely coming back and just dominating Leafs offensively. The the Leafs had that little comeback a little bit, making it 5-3, which is to make it interesting. But I think it it's not going to be the same. They need to come out flying like they did game 1 every game. That that's that's the bare minimum for playoffs. It, that's pretty enough for, for hockey in general, but like that gear, that fifth gear they put themselves into in game one because they just didn't put their foot off the gas completely. Another thing too, that arena was quiet. That arena uh-huh. was so quiet. I'm not sure if it's because all the all the suits were taking up the the seats and everything inside, but just it was you could hear a pin drop when it was five one being in the third. It was it was too quiet in there. Fans need to get up and be loud. Needed to do something because it felt like the, the the Lightning were just playing a home game because they didn't have to worry about the fans yelling or anything. Well, as Endo said, you win some, you lose some. Unless you're the Bruins where you lose some and then you lose some more. Fish. Also on Monday, the St. Louis Blues beat the Minnesota Wild in game one, four to nothing. Oof. David Perron with a hat trick on the road. UC Soros stops 37. Philly Huso. Philly Huso. Huso. Yeah, sorry. UC Soros. Jesus, what the hell? Oh, what the hell? I went, I went for a different. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I went for the other. Uh, I went for the other Finnish goaltender. Apologies for that. Uh, yeah, Philly Huso. I'm, you know what it is? My body is rejecting praising Philly Huso because for so long. He was my example of, like, why the hell is this guy so highly touted? He hasn't put it together at all. And then this season, he's put it together. Yeah, 37-save um, yeah, shutout in his first career playoff game. Uh, LOL, Jordan Bennington. $6 million against the cap, I think, for, like, six more years. LOL. Yep. <laughs> You've lost your job. Um, this game, though, domination from the Blues, but it was highlighted by one particular moment that I don't know if you guys recall. Hopefully you do. If not, you can look it up. Oh, yeah, I died. There was oh, yeah. a moment. I recall where Jared Spurgeon and Pavel Bushnevich were both down on the ice. And Jared Spurgeon essentially tried to guillotine the ankle 
of Pavel Bushnevich, and he oh, only yeah. gets a 5K fine. I, that's incredible how he only gets a fine. That's intent to injure if you've ever seen it. Sure, he didn't get injured, but again, it goes back to stop basing fucking punishment on if someone gets injured. Base it off of the offense. Like, that is horrible. It's disgusting, and it's not It's not a hockey play. It, like, ticks all the fucking boxes of what should be a suspension. And DOPS, of course, <laughs> drops the ball, and... and I, I mentioned this kind of, and I'm going to have to mention it here. It feels like they do this shit on purpose. They don't punish enough on purpose because they're like, oh, well, that's going to create the narrative for the, the next game. That's going to create some drama for the next game. Which means the D- the Department of Player Safety is is a, is a fucking oxymoron because clearly they're willing to sacrifice players' t- safeties for ratings. Even with the new TV deal and things kicking off, they want They need more. They need more. They need more. They need to push it more. I could be wrong, and maybe it's just a c- continued ineptitude of DOPS. But come on, man! Like, I that's that's gross. That's absolutely gross. That's unneeded play. And then I didn't watch the second game, but I noticed Spurgeon had a big old fucking cut somewhere on his face. So I wonder if he got into it with someone. So, I will say this before we talk about Game 2. The main clip of the Jared Spurgeon incident, which again is the clearest cut example of intent to injure I have perhaps ever seen, the side of Todd Bertuzzi. Mm -hmm. The clip from uh, Tony X on Twitter has 2 million views. Again, we've talked about how likely NHL clips are to get a million plus views. This is going to be one of the most viewed clips in the playoffs. And it's of an example of clear-cut intent to injure that was not properly assessed the punishment it, it was worthy of. Yep. It's embarrassing for the league. It's absolutely embarrassing for the league, but they continue to be okay with it. It, it boggles my mind. Like, you have, as we talked about, uh, more eyes on the product than you've had, arguably, in 20 years. And yet, I can't help but think... Like, how... How do you explain to a casual who might be checking out this hockey thing? How do you explain to them that that's fine worthy, but not suspension worthy? Yeah. How do you explain that when he literally takes both hands and chops down as hard as he can? You can see the physical exertion and the effort he put in. To twisting the ankle and trying to fucking maim the guy. But it's only a fine and not a suspension. It's incredible. Yeah. It's... It... We'll go ahead to game three. Two. Or two. It's on night three for Wednesday. Boy, I am on my game today, aren't I? It's the Bruins talk, man. Ever since then, I've... <sighs> downhill. The Wild win. Six to two. To tie the series up at 1-1. Eric Sinek with two goals. And Kirill Kaprizov gets a hat trick. The first playoff hat trick in Wild franchise history. That's a trip. They have been a team for 22 years. Marc-Andre Fleury gets his 91st playoff victory, putting him one behind Grant Fuhr for third all-time. That's nuts. The future Hall of Famer. It's insanity. Uh, All in all, I mean, again, you see the scoreline. It it speaks to it. It was a a great performance, again, for the Minnesota Wild. Yep. Period. Pushed back. Like, it's just that's exactly what they needed to do. You don't completely squander home ice by losing both games. And it gets that momentum rolling back again, heading into uh, game three in 
uh, St. Louis. I was surprised so. that they got smashed the way they did in game one because I, I, my prediction was that Minnesota probably going to do pretty good early on, but I think they're going to get worn down by St. Louis. St. Louis taking that first game was huge for them, guaranteeing the split. And then here come the Wild, as expected. They're going to fucking crush the Blues in at least one game. And that was it. We'll see. I, I'm excited to see the response, though. Absolutely. So we go to the final game on Monday, the final game one from that first set of four. The Los Angeles Kings Called it. beat the Edmonton Oilers four to three off the back of Philip Deno's third the period is winner. Be at the end too, with the Oilers dropping at that time their seventh straight playoff game. Lol. We do move forward to Wednesday though, yeah. where the Oilers win six to nothing. Could have been twelve to nothing. Jonathan Quick. God, Dry got his second of the series. Evander Kane scored two goals. Mike Smith with the shutout. Don't you mean the Evanderlorian? The what? Well, we have an episode title. Oh, you haven't seen that? Oh my god. Yeah, they put no. out they put out this graphic of Evander Kane head on a Mandalorian thing. Called it the Evandalorian. Or like May the Fourth. Yeah, it's pretty it's Brutal. Disgusting. Disgusting. Uh my Point here, did you guys notice the trend between Game 1 and Game 3 in all four series? Did you notice the trend? Three out of the four series featured the team that lost in Game 1, winning in Game 2 to tie the series. Oh, yeah. The only team that lost both games so far are the fucking Boston Bruins! Oh, I thought every every other team came out with a dominating, essentially convincing response. Tampa, Minnesota, Edmonton all won by what? At least four goals. Tampa won by two. And the Bruins lost again by three. Fuck. We go to Tuesday. And obviously these games on Tuesday, game two for every series will be played tonight. Probably be played by the time these uh, you guys are getting to this point of the podcast. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins <laughs> beat the New York Rangers in game one on Tuesday night. Four to three in triple overtime. A game that I fell asleep during for the first overtime and missed out on streaming entirely. So that was rough. Um, I called him a star on Twitter and I stand by it. Jake Gensel. With two goals in that game. And someone asked, like, oh, what's your... Di-? I know, I like how you posted, like, the duality. Because yeah, one person's like, one fuck person's yeah! Like, Who the hell's not calling Gensel a star? Literally the comment right below him. What is your definition of star? I'm totally not sandbagging here, and I'm very interested in this. Anyway, but yeah. I don't even think I responded to that person. Like, bottom line is, Jake Gensel, can you name five teams that wouldn't have an upgrade on left wing if Jake Gensel was transplanted onto their top line? You might. That's tough, though. You can't name 10. He's a star player. Period. The controversy from this game comes in the third period, and I I mistyped it here, but there was the waved-off goal. Capo Caco on a net drive runs into Brian Dumoulin. Announced, by the way, that Dumoulin won't be playing in Game 2, so that's a pretty big loss for Pittsburgh. Not the only loss that they have. Uh, and Philip Heedle tapped it in to get the goal. It is waved off. I've looked at this a dozen times, and my end result 
is that again, this is the fault of the NHL. Yes. For not, again, fully clarifying a set of circumstances in a situation like this. I watch this play. My opinion, Capo Caco does make the effort to cut, and I think if there was not a defenseman, he would have cut clean atop, right outside the top of the crease, never really made contact with the crease, and I think he would have been fine. That's just how I view it off of the replays I've seen. It would have been close, but I think he would have been okay. The reason why he doesn't get that clean cut to the top of the crease is because rightfully he is allowed to do so. It's called playing defense. Brian Dumoulin defends the play and doesn't allow him to cut. So there is the contact there, perhaps initiated in a sense by Dumoulin. But this all comes down to the NHL side of things. Yeah, and then you get into, yeah, it could, you know, could, could Kako have cut? And then if he, if he realizes he can't, at what point is the onus on him to avoid contact in another way, which he can? And that's where I think it gets confusing as fuck and where it leads back to the N- to the NHL. It's that, like, they need to clearly define goaltender interference in all these kind of circumstances. I mean, it's been enough time, right, since all these rules have been changed in the review process. Like, they should have enough examples to be able to kind of cover most of the scenarios that we've seen with precedent. But the problem is the calls are so inconsistent. How the fuck do you get precedent? That's a very, very good question. I mean, we've discussed this so many times to just ad nauseum at this, at this stage. But again, to me, this is again, another example of the NHL allowing controversy to fester. Maybe that's what they want, but allowing controversy to fester by not clearly defining their rules. I do think the people who are on the side of Akako made no attempt to avoid the, the goalie. Are you fucking insane? Do you not hear the logic? But he made no attempt to avoid the goalie. I'm pretty sure he wouldn't willingly take a penalty in that moment of a tie game in the third period by just charging at the goalie. Pretty sure. Also worth noting, uh, shout out to Renard Lavoie on Twitter. Barkley Goodrow and Ryan Lindgren out for the Rangers tonight. So that that is not a healthy series already for the Rangers and the Penguins. I don't know what the hell's going on. Uh, but that first game leads to triple freaking overtime. Where in the middle of these overtimes, Casey DeSmith, already the backup goalie, because Tristan Jari's out with injury. Casey DeSmith is taken out and replaced by Louis Deming, who is starting game two tonight. With Wilkes-Barre's Alex DiOrio as the backup, because Jari's still not available. The Penguins are down to their third-string goalie, but said third-string goalie was the winning goalie in Game 1, as Evgeny Malkin scores on a freaking phenomenal deflection to win it in triple overtime. Igor Shosturkin. The stat is hilarious. or should I say Henrik Lundqvist, yeah. because holy shit, he, it's, it's the exact same situation. Yep. Like, literally, same great goaltender, same situation. Shesterkin uh, stops 79 of 83 and still loses. The man, if you're saying, yeah, triple overtime, essentially he played two separate games, you're still averaging 40-plus shots against you. Rangers, what the fuck? How do you think this team's good enough if you're allowing that? My God. So, 
Uh, there was a stat from ESPN, by the way. It says, while Pittsburgh was able to take an early series lead in triple overtime, it's difficult to keep the momentum going. Of the last 10 playoff games that went to triple overtime or later, the winner went 3-7 and seven in the following game. So history is on the Rangers' side here a little bit, but man, with those injuries, I just I don't know what to One think about what tonight's... Sharks. Probably. <laughs> no, it is. They won a triple yeah. overtime game against Edmonton in like 06 or 07, whatever, when Edmonton went to the Cup in the conference finals. That was our second win, and then they they won four straight. <laughs> God. So, very intrigued to see who ends up winning game two due to all the different injuries and circumstances. But, yeah, tough, tough loss for the Rangers to take yeah. at that stage. So, I'm looking at the goalie depth situation right now for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They are literally out of goalie options. Like, if Domingue gets gets hurt, they're gonna have to use Thorio, and then they're gonna have to go to their farm system in Wilkes-Barre. E-bug. E-bug. Not even E-bug. They'll have to go to their farm system in in um in Wilkes-Barre Scranton and call up a goalie from there. Well, they because they that. only yeah. have four goalies on contract. Yeah, they already did. They already did that. No. They'll, no, they'll have to do it oh, again. Like no, an AHL goalie. goalie and sign them to an NHL deal. They're oh, out of goalies. They're going to have to call up... Uh, actually, my buddy of mine is a set They're going to have to sign someone, to get called essentially. Up. Yeah, they'll have to sign their top goalie right now if they can look it up right here. So I wonder if they could bring over Joel Blomqvist from Finland. <laughs> Played 20 games for Carpot this season with a 940 save percentage at 20 years old. Maybe they can bring him over and he'll just go full Cam Ward, Tristan Jari, yeah. whatever the fuck. It all depends because uh. their other option in their franchise right now would be – hold on, let me see. Uh, Taylor Gauthier too. Yeah, Taylor Gauthier uh, as well. He's on. I think he's on I'm an NHL deal. Would be – um, let's yeah. see. Samuel Harvey no, who played not. in the A. Uh, be Matt Jurisic or Tommy Napier. I'm biased because that's my buddy who plays in Wilkes-Barre. I want him to get a shot to go up. Are you kidding me? Just to get the extra pay? That's nuts. <laughs> well, no disrespect, Tommy, but the team's fucked if it gets to that point. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Oh, God. Uh, the other three series, we'll, uh, we'll go Washington and Florida, where the Caps take game one four to two. Uh, three different goal scorers, I believe, in the third period. Uh, or no, it was a, a three-goal third period for the Caps. They had four different goal scores in the game. Uh, confirmed Tom Wilson's out for game two, but... Uh, I was going to say, what did he do? But I don't remember seeing it on social media. So is he injured? He, he's hurt. He's hurt, yeah. <laughs> Day-to-day with a uh, lower body injury, as it's as it's being called. Uh-oh, so Florida. Florida losing game one, that is a massive... Like, we'll talk about the next game. A favorite making a statement in Game 1. This was not a statement from the Florida Panthers. This is a big Game 2 tonight that they need to win. You go down 0-2 to Washington before heading to Washington, it's looking shaky all of a sudden, you know? Yeah, that's... I didn't expect that at all. I mean, Washington's got a shit ton of experience, but you just kind of figured the Panthers maybe have all the skill in the fucking world to beat anyone, but that's kind of what we came back to and what we... Was the, our one X factor in speculation? Do they play too wide of, open of a game for the playoffs, and will that fly? It didn't in game one, clearly. Uh, mm. We'll see what happens in game two. But yeah, I will be pissed if they lose this, and then at that point, I'll have no choice but to say Joe Thornton is cursed. That other game I was referring to, the Colorado Avalanche beat the Nashville Predators in game one. 
seven to two. Yep. Colorado was up five to nothing at the end of the first period. <laughs> Not ideal, said the social media manager or something. God, who was that? The player for the Titans? Who thought it was two nothing Nashville, and he's like, "Yeah." And the admin on Twitter's like, "Taylor, we're not winning." Yeah, yeah like <laughs> he's like, "Well, shouldn't it be O two then?" Yeah, yeah that was beautiful. Uh, oh, Nathan man. McKinnon Nashville with two goals. The best Twitter, I swear to God, their their team. I mean, shout out to them giving tickets to Rahil, good friend of the friend of all of ours, Real Chocolate Thunder. Uh, that was that's insane. Um, nuts. For Nashville, the only real bright spots, Nate, uh, Matt Duchesne. Scored uh, both goals for the Preds. Again, he's had an amazing season. Confirm that the Preds are going to start goaltender Connor Ingram in yeah, game two. He's going to zat cough. He's going to zat cough in your face. If oh, Dave, is Dave Riddick signed for them through next year? I believe so. That's what I'm trying to check right now Probably. because holy shit if he is. Uh... Nope, he's up at the end of the year. I can't Fair. imagine he'll ever play a game for the Nashville Predators again. I can't imagine he'll ever play a game in the NHL again. Yeah. Uh, for Colorado, fucking Andrew Cogliano's out in game two. He scored in game one. Looked pretty good. But, yeah, game two tonight. Can't imagine it's going to go much better for Nashville. We shall see. Mm. Uh, but it wouldn't be the first time. I mean, again, Colorado, granted, people were bringing up the comparisons of Colorado Vegas from last year, where Colorado started off with a dominant game one victory and then lost. Um, yeah, Nashville's not Vegas. No. Because they're in the playoffs. Damn it. No. Bam! Mine. Bam! Mine. Mine. That was mine, Toogie. You fuck. <laughs> oh I God. beat him to it. It was a race. Yeah. Oh, oh man! Fucker. Oh, oh my God! Oh, I'm so happy right now. And then yeah. Calgary beat Dallas one to nothing. Elias Lindholm scored in the first period, and that was it. Daryl Sutter, uh, Markstrom with the shutout. Dallas, you're probably bones. Daryl Sutter, yeah. And wait till wait till their offense starts scoring on top of shutting you down. <laughs> that was the most Daryl so- Sutter fucking game ever, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't it? Yeah, it's such a. <laughs> Again for Dallas too. Top line doesn't score. Look what happens. Oh, yeah. Yep. Remember when so, their top line had Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan? And now it's Rupe Hintz, Joe Pavelski, and uh, 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 I don't know, some, some guy. Some guy, some guy who's a Pepper's relevant. Farm members. <laughs> so, um, by the way, the Dallas lines on Cap Friendly, according uh, to them four hours ago, Robertson, Hintz, Pavelski, Raffle, Ben Gurionov. Glendening Sagan Nemesnikov. That is interesting. I mean, in theory, hence Ben Sagan as your center is not bad. But at the same time, like, respect to Michael Roffel, he had a really physical game one. But your second line is Roffel, Ben, and Gurionov. I thought the Bruins had some depth questions. Holy balls. That sounds like a punching line. I don't know why. Just any line with like Jamie Ben on there just sounds like it's an immediate. I mean, Raffle and Ben are well. Raffle's physical. Ben's a cheap shot artist. Yeah. And then Gurionov's got some skill. Drives the play. <laughs> so. <laughs> God, I'm gonna turn him. He's just gonna slash someone in the head like Marty McSorley. It's gonna be brutal. There you go. With that, gentlemen, let's get out of here because those games are gonna begin very, very soon, and I want to make sure that I can watch them. Everybody, we will be back. I believe this upcoming Tuesday to talk about all the events throughout. 
the weekend. I think Tuesday, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. we got to get yeah. we got to get back to our Tuesday Friday for next yep, week. Yep. We uh, had to move up a, a couple of days here uh, for the playoffs, but it worked out pretty well to be able to talk about the early games. Uh, but again, we will be back next week. Um, yeah, hey Endo, what do you got going on here through the through the weekend and uh, the lovely editing world? <laughs> yeah. Um, working on that video for you. I'll have that soon for you. Uh, fingers crossed. Um, another thing too, I have left Twitch. I have decided to leave Twitch as a streaming platform and go over just to YouTube because, uh, I've just realized that it makes more sense to grow a YouTube platform and get that 1k subs. So I can get that ad revenue rather than sitting on a Twitch stream for five people. I'm just not wasting my time anymore with Twitch anymore. Yeah. Um, so I'm on YouTube now. I'm actually doing my first YouTube stream probably tomorrow, uh, probably around like 5 p.m. Eastern, uh, around the typical time we'd be recording your podcast. Uh, just going to probably play some games, mostly test things out, see how it works, and make sure everything works perfectly fine, too. And uh, yeah, so the way things are going to work for me is Friday's streams, and then Monday it's going to be a clip or a short form of the stream. So that way you get the VOD and you get the actual video content. There you go. Keep it simple. Sin. Yeah. What do you got going on aside from hopefully not missing the net on every shot you take in NHL 2K10 today? <laughs> yeah. Tune in to, Tugi, uh, to twitch.tv slash doogie24 to see me try to fucking score again. <laughs> and hopefully not rage quit as I get a lag spite on a shootout attempt. Um, oh my god, literally a shootout. He so has pissed. to score to win and he got a close. lag spike and walked behind the goal. It was just the most pain. You could hear the pain. It was pain. Yeah. Um yeah, so I obviously got my YouTube channel still. Uh Vancouver Canucks series going uh, on. We've won a cup here and then got, you know, lost in the first round and got goalied. <laughs> one of my members actually is one of my members, one of the created members in there posted a 950 against us. He was a goaltender. Yeah, it wasn't fun. <laughs> he was like an 83 overall, so of course, you know, he's going to post a 950. Um, yeah, so I got that going on, and uh, my single is dropping May 14th. You can also see my uh, my music on Spotify, Apple Music, all the major platforms under Paul Cinders. You can follow me on Instagram at Paul Cinders as well, and on Twitter, I will. I'm a bit, I'm on there a bit more for the playoffs now at SinFTWProd. So there we go. And you can catch Sin and I every Sunday, Monday, and Wednesday for twitch.tv forward slash sportsgamer, sportsgamer.gg, covering the top level of NHL 22 competitive esports, the European side of things. Uh, again, on the main channel, I'll probably have many reviews of the, uh, the Bruins games. Of course, we also have our NHL 22 playoff simulation video. And again, the most recent episode of the Cold War is out, my EA versus 2K uh, NHL comparison. This was episode 2, NHL 2002 versus NHL 2K2. Endo knocked it out of the park with the editing on that, so look forward to that. Again, we got videos coming out every single Friday, so looking forward to that. And of course, my second channel, again, TWOGIE24 is now the home for all my franchise stuff, uh, including the Philadelphia Flyers franchise that we have going on right now. Uh, and I pretty much already promised it and guaranteed it. Uh, your next franchise mode on that on that series starting sometime in the next two weeks I'm going to rebuild the Boston Bruins because Lord knows they fucking need it. <laughs> Will, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's see, let's see. It's Tuesday the 10th, so the Bruins, will the Boston, here we go, to end this show, will the Bruins be eliminated from the playoffs by our next show? I have to double check. 
to make sure, but if the schedule stays the same Four, of huh? playing every other day, game three is Friday, game four is Sunday. Are the Bruins eliminated by our next podcast? I say no. Bruins are going to squeeze out a win. They kind of yeah. have to, but it's it won't be pretty. I, I, I don't know. I think you're actually leaning towards them getting swept at this point. I, it's hard to blame you, but it's still, I feel like they have to. I don't know. They don't have to, but it's their home ice and they're going to get something like maybe probably even a game four. they might lose this game three, but like they're going to get every call in game four. <laughs> I want, I want and them to get thoughts? swept just so you can pull out the fucking paint, paint program again, just paint another thing on the, on the, on the stream. There's more reactions of that. I just want that to happen. Cause I feel like there'll be more anger if they get swept. You know what? I feel like there's gonna be more anger if they oh lose God. game five than if they lose game four, because game five would mean that they show they had some sort of life. It's like you see, you could have done it. You could have. <laughs> Endo, I have a job for you. If and when the Bruins get swept, I am changing my logo to the Bruins Pooh Bear face on the body of a fish. <laughs> <laughs> yes. For those on the video side, imagine this on a on a trout, on a flounder, as they flop their way out of the playoffs. I just thank you all for listening and watching the Toogie's Take podcast. Manscaped.com. Code Toogie at checkout. 20% off. Free worldwide shipping. We gotta go. We're out of time. And the Bruins suck ass.